We ask, Lord, that the Holy Spirit may continue with us. May we be sensitive to His voice. May our hearts be open. And may you speak this morning to every one of us. Lord, that every word that I say may not be my own, but may they come from you. May these next minutes we're going to spend here together be a time where we can hear the living word coming directly from you. Please anoint my lips and use me as your instrument. Open all of our hearts and minds and ears and hearts. I ask you in the name of Jesus. Amen. It is nice to see the, the church uh, packed, right? I saw a dear couple of the church trying to find a, a seat, uh, but they finally got it, and I'm happy for that. You know, there was a preacher. He had a sermon on, uh, on humility. He was going to preach how we need to be humble, to be good servants of the Lord, but he gave up preaching that sermon that, that particular day because the church was empty. And he wanted to preach a sermon on humility, but wanted, he wanted a large crowd to hear him. So that didn't work well. But uh, there is a story of a professor. He was a Christian man. His name was Stuart Blackie. He was a professor at the University of Edinburgh. And he was listening to his students do their uh, oral readings. And he had given them the instructions and everything. So when one of the students, a young man, stood up to begin his recitation, he held his book in the wrong hand. He held it in his left hand, where he was supposed to hold it in the right hand. And from the back of the room, Professor Stuart Blackie couldn't take it. And he thundered from the back, you hold your book in your right hand. And now you take a seat and wait. But before the young man would do that, he raised his right arm, but he had no right hand. And all of the students twitched uneasily in their seats, and they didn't know what was going to happen. You know, there is a tendency in the human soul to feel disappointed, and I would even say to feel disgusted with certain, with certain behaviors of people around us particularly when they don't meet our personal preferences or our personal expectations. Many people in the world would have things made differently, different from the way they are if they just had the opportunity to have things their way. Not necessarily the right way or the best way, but their way. But the problem with the human perspective is that it is simply that. It is human. The heart is deceitful, the Bible says. The human heart judges and measures retribution according to its limited perspective. It takes a humble spirit, a spirit sensitive to God, sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to realize one's need of a Savior to begin with. And it takes determined effort, a conscious decision to walk with Jesus on a daily basis, 
to receive his mind and to begin to see things through his perspective. The Lord wants to make us new creatures, new creation. He wants to renew every thought of the mind and every intention of the heart. He wants through this process to set you free from and victorious over sin. That's his ultimate goal. He wants to give you his mind that you may not only refrain from sinning, but also partner with him in bringing other people to his kingdom. Well, that pretty much uh, summarizes my message today. I think we can wrap it up right here. But I don't think you're, you're hungry enough, so I'll keep on going. Let's go to scripture, because our scripture today has many lessons for us. But we are going to look at two of them, two of these lessons here. There are many others. The text that was read this morning, Luke chapter 13, verses 6 to 9. This text comes in the context of a call to repentance from the Lord. This call to repentance actually starts a few chapters before. I would say even in chapter 11. In chapter 11, verse 37, Jesus was invited by a, a Pharisee to go to his house and dine with him. And there they had this conversation and Jesus was pointing some of the uh, hypocrisy in the way the Pharisees would act. And then in chapter 12, Jesus is talking to his followers and he's again reminding them that being a hypocrite like the Pharisees were wouldn't work. And he warns them, them of the dangers of hypocrisy. And then in chapter 13, there is this conversation between Jesus and his followers. And right here in chapter 13, as chapter 13 begins, we can know, notice traces of this human tendency to consider oneself a favorite of heaven. Isn't that a soothing, soothing thought, for, thought for human beings? To think that we are favorites of heaven, to think that we are better than our neighbors. To consider oneself more ready, more apt for heaven than others. And to think that God's call to repentance is meant for other people, but not necessarily for us. Why do I say this? Because after Jesus warned them of the dangers of hypocrisy in chapters 11 and 12, some of his hearers come to him and report about a tragedy that had just happened. Uh, which tragedy was that? There was a group of Galileans who were offering sacrifices at the temple. And then, under the command, under the orders of Pilate, soldiers came to the precincts of the temple, and they killed those Galileans, those poor pilgrims. They killed them so much so that their blood was actually mingled with the blood of their sacrifices of, their, of the animals. And they tell that to Jesus. Almost as saying, Lord, you know, what's wrong? What was wrong with those people? 
You know, we are here, we are alive and well, we are healthy, we are here sitting at your feet. And you're talking about hypocrisy. Was there anything wrong with those people? Why were they killed in, this, in the very act of worshiping? Now this incident raised a few questions. And even today, this incident raises a few questions. Questions like, uh, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to innocent people? Why were those people killed right there in the act of worshiping God? Were they by any chance hiding any sin? Were they cherishing sin that they hadn't confessed? So much so that judgment would fall upon them so drastically. What was wrong? Were they after all really believers? And Jesus in his answer... He directs their, their sight and their thoughts so as they could look to the big look at the big picture. Jesus indicates in his answer that in this world, in this sin-damaged world, damaged by the consequences of sin, in this world, the central stage of the great controversy, in this world, Accidents happen. Whether we want it or not, they happen. So Jesus says that those Galileans were killed. They were not worse sinners than any other Galilean. Jesus actually comments on another episode. Comments on another episode. He talks about the fall of the tower in Siloam. Where 18 men were killed when that tower fell. And he again says that those 18 men were not worse sinners than any other men living in Jerusalem. Jesus' answer actually highlights the fact, the fact that we only have limited time for repentance. God's mercy endures forever. But the time you and I have to live here, the time we have to make our choices... That time is limited. And nobody knows actually how long they will live. We are all mortal. And on top of that, accidents may and do happen. Calamities may and do happen. So Jesus says, the very point of this is, unless you repent, you will all likewise, what? Perish. So this is the first lesson that we all need to heed to Jesus' call to repentance. Because in the, sequence, in the sequence, Jesus tells this parable of the fig tree planted in a vineyard, which by itself is something not very usual, right? Why would someone plant a fig tree in a vineyard? I've never been a farmer. But one thing I know that the fig tree is, is large, right? It projects shadow uh, around things, uh, on things that, which are around it. So this fig tree, according to this parable that Jesus tells, beginning in verse 6, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking, seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look! For three years I've come here seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. 
cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that you can cut it down. So the first lesson, as I said, is that Jesus is calling all of us to repentance. The time, the opportunities, the gifts, the blessings we receive, and even the trials we go through, they're all meant to lead us to humble our hearts, to repent from sin, and to bear fruit for the glory of God. You know me for a while now. I was desperately looking for an amen. Praise the Lord. Everything we have, even the trials we go through, are meant to humble us. Are meant to lead us, to humble our hearts and to repent from sin. And to leave that behind. So we can walk with Jesus and bear fruit for the glory of the Lord. None of those things, not, not the time, nor the, not even the trials, none of that is going to last forever. They're all for a limited time. And once we understand that this warning coming from Jesus is meant for ourselves and not for others, then there will be a follow-up lesson. And that's the second lesson I want to draw your attention to. Like that fig tree, you don't want to become a hindrance to others. You don't want to cumber the soil to prevent others from receiving the blessings that God has designed for them. After all that the Lord has given you, after all the light you have received, after everything you've been blessed with, you don't want to use up the soil. You don't want to be an impediment to others. I need you to notice something here. The owner of the, the vineyard, he says, I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it, does it use up the ground? But notice that the vine dresser responds in this way, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. So here is a lesson we need to, we need to learn. We need to notice something important here. That the vineyard owner and the, vin the vine dresser, they're united in purpose. The vine dresser never questions the sentence of the, the vineyard owner. He never says, no, Lord, no, sir, you should never cut down this, this tree. Even if it doesn't bear fruit for the next 20 years, don't cut it down. No, the vine dresser never said this. He's in agreement that an unfruitful tree must be cut down. But there is a lesson we need to learn here. That the owner and the dresser are united in one interest in the fig tree. Both the owner and the keeper, they long to see the tree bear fruit. So that's why the vine, that's why the vine dresser pleads the owner for just a little more time. He's pleading on behalf of an unfruitful tree. He's pleading on behalf of an unpromising plant. 
He's interceding for someone who, after many years of opportunities, someone who might have been in the church for many years, but still doesn't bear fruit. He's pleading on behalf of that person. The vine dresser's response to the desire of the owner is this, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around, until I dig around it, until I fertilize it. Do you see here? There is an intent on the part of the vine dresser to cooperate with the vineyard owner. Give it a little more time, sir. Give it just another year, sir. Lord, I'll dig around it. I'll dig around this person. I'll make their environment appropriate. I'll make their environment more favorable. I'll surround this person with care. I'll surround them with love. I'll surround them with an environment conducive to growth. Lord, I want to see this brother of mine. I want to see this sister of mine grow. I want to see them bear fruit as much as you do, Lord. Here I am, Lord. I'm ready to give even greater care for this person than so far I have. I'll spend my every attention generously upon this person. Here I am, Lord. I am here to partner with you in saving souls. That's not an easy prayer to pray, is it? We may be quick to condemn those who, those who are not on our, in our shoes. And those we can't really get in whose shoes. We're quick, quickly to, we're quick to judge, but you're slow to help. I wonder who is ready to pray that prayer. I wonder who is ready to answer God's call today. I wonder who is ready to intercede for others. You know, we can, look, we can read Luke 13 over and over and over again and miss that point. That Jesus is calling you and I to be His cooperators. There is one thing though that we cannot miss as we read this story. And if it has been a while that you have read this story... I encourage you to get home this afternoon and, and read it over again. And we'll notice, you'll notice one thing. Because right here with our dear friend uh, Ethan stopped reading in verse 9. That's where Jesus stops the story. He never finishes the story. He never told us what the result was of the work of the vine dresser. He ends right there with the vine dresser saying, Lord, I'm ready to do something for this tree. Let me work another more year. Let me dig around it. Let me fertilize it. Let me care for it. But Jesus never says what happened after. And I don't want to uh, venture, try to get into the thought of Jesus, the thinking of Jesus. But I'll just say, I'll... I dare say today that this story was cut short because the Lord wanted His warnings to go down through the generations and come to us today. So first, 
Jesus is calling every hearer of His word to become also a doer of His will. He's calling you and I to repentance. He's calling us to leave behind whatever is still holding you back. He's calling you to a decision. He's calling you to leave behind the things, the very things that He has already convinced you they are not good for you. He's calling you to make a decision upon those things He's convicted your heart about. But you haven't decided yet. You know, God is a loving God. And He calls you with love, but He calls you. Nevertheless, He calls you, and He is still calling you. And the Lord does not take it lightly when you refuse to hear His voice, and He'll keep on calling you. He'll keep on insisting with you. But you don't want to shut your ears and your conscience to the loving voice of God by repeatedly and constantly refusing to listen to them. I'm sure you don't want that. But the Lord is calling you to a decision. And secondly, there is also a call to those who are in a position of responsibility. Those whom the Lord has entrusted with responsibility in the church. The Lord is calling you to partner with Him. To partner with Him not in professing judgment. Because that's His prerogative. The Lord is calling you to partner with Him in saving souls. That's what He's calling you to. The Lord calls you to give more time, more care, more energy, more love, more patience, more support to those who need it. Maybe you've been praying and working and witnessing for someone for the last three years like in a parable. Maybe it's been five years. It could be ten years. Or maybe you could be praying for someone and working with someone for 30 years. Who knows? I want you to think about it for a while. And maybe you've given much already. But maybe you have not yet given the best of your attention. Maybe you have not given them yet the best that you have. Perhaps you have not surrounded them yet with the best of your love, with the best of your care. I told you in the beginning of the message today the story of Professor Stuart Blackie and his student. And how everybody was uneasy in that room at that situation. The young man is standing with his arm lifted up, with no right hand, his arm finished up in his wrist. And after a few seconds of indecision, of hesitation, the professor goes up to him and apologizes. And he says, son, I never knew about it. Please forgive me. Sometime later, in a large gathering of believers, this story was being told. And at the close of the meeting, this story was being told as, as an, uh, an illustration. And a man came forward while the story was being finished. 
And he comes to the front and he turns to the crowd and he raises his right arm. And his right arm ended at the wrist. And he said, I was that student. And Professor Blackie led me to Christ. But he could never have done it if he had not made the wrong right. So my dear brothers and sisters, I want to finish today appealing to you. Whether you feel your walk with the Lord is still not exactly what it should be. If there is anything you need to leave behind, I want to appeal to you that you make that decision today. And I want to pray for you. But if the Lord has called you and you have come along, you have come a long way, and you feel prepared to witness, to testify for Jesus, my appeal is to you also based on the words of Jesus, that you partner with Him in saving others. That you partner with Him and helping those who are struggling. So that they can see in you one more glimpse. One more reflection of the character of Jesus Christ. If you feel you're in either of those categories. I'd like to ask you to stand. I'd like to ask you to stand and I'm going to pray for you. Don't just stand because the pastor is asking. But if you feel the Lord is calling you today. Either to a personal decision or because you want to surrender your life to him so you can work for others. I ask you to stand. Father in heaven, I ask you, Lord, that in your mercy and in your love, you may grant us just a little more time. And you know, Father, not because we are enjoying life here on earth. There is actually too little to enjoy here. We look forward to, to our real home. But Father, we need a little more time to make up our hearts, to make up our minds, to settle a decision on your side that will never be moved. We need a little more time, Father, so we can all come together as a community of faith and support and sustain each other and bring more people to the awareness of the kingdom so we may prepare people who will be ready for the soon coming of Jesus. Father, may this be our prayer. It is our prayer right now. So please, Father, grant us this blessing. Bless each and every person who stood up here this morning. And be with us all as we part. Give us your blessings and protections. I ask you in the name of Jesus. Amen.